Father, I believe today is a divine appointment with you. I know that in my spirit. This is a divine appointment with you, with us, with you here with us today. May we be so conscious of not ourselves, not what's around us, not the flesh, but be conscious of the present Christ who's here in this room right now. We thank you, Lord, that he will give us utterance today. I've already asked for that, Lord. I thank you for utterance. Think through my mind. Speak through my lips. Bring us up higher today, Lord. Bring us into a place of union and fellowship with you that we've never been to before. May this be a launch point today for us to go into that place higher, stronger, better. Things will become better as we get closer to you, Father, as we follow after you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we've been talking for a few weeks now about the subject, I am not moved. And it's a good subject, amen. But over in Acts chapter 20, I want you to go over there with me. And, you know, when you teach on something, you have an opportunity to walk in that. Amen. How many of you know that? <laughs> in Acts chapter 20, verses 22, we see this uh, about the Apostle Paul. And it says, and now in verse 22, Behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, except that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Notice that the, it was the Holy Spirit was talking to him, said that wherever you go, there's going to be bonds and afflictions. Okay? Now that's not the kind of word that you want to hear, right? Everywhere you go, man, trouble's going to happen, right? But you know, right after Paul's conversion, Jesus told him, he says, the Lord showed him how much things he must suffer for his name's sake. His name's sake. Paul, the Apostle Paul, other than Jesus Christ, I think he had more resistance than anybody. I mean, he had major resistance. Okay? There was a time, one time, when he was preaching and the, the whole town left him. Just come up and left. How would you like to be a part of that group that left him? They thought they were right, but they were wrong. Amen? And he said, but Jesus stood with me. <laughs> he said, but the Lord stood with me. And you got to know that. you got to know, no matter what you're facing in life, that the Lord stood with me, and he will comfort you. Amen? That doesn't mean he'll just pat you on the back and say, you know, it's going to be okay, you know, but then you'll suffer. No, he knows you're going to come through. He said, the Lord stood with me. But notice what Paul said here in verse 24. This is after he said that there's bonds and afflictions abide me. Then verse 24, Paul said this, but none of these things move me. Can we say that together? But none of these things move me. Neither count my life dear to myself that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. Now, this is a major key, I think, for us fulfilling our destiny. Because a lot of times people have the mistaken idea that if you have some kind of resistance, especially the Bible says that when you hear, when the word of the kingdom is sown into the hearts in Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, when the word of God is sown, Satan cometh immediately to take away the word that was sown in their hearts. Okay? And Jesus shows us how the avenues in Mark chapter 4, how he comes at us. He comes through persecution, affliction, the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, try to enter into our hearts and choke the word of God. Amen. Now, when, you get, when I first got saved, I thought, I was so new and so fresh and so green, I thought everybody was excited about my choice to follow Christ. I really did. And I found out real quick that there were some people that were not happy with that choice and that decision. I thought, well, they just don't understand what I just experienced. Because, boy, I'll tell you, I, when I experienced getting saved, it was a revolutionary change in my life. I'll tell you, 16 years old. I mean, I, I was radically saved. I was... It, was, it just changed my life drastically and dramatically, and it needed to be changed. Amen? Now, I found out real quick, like I said, that there was a lot of people, and some of, some of the kids were my age. Some of them were older people. You know, they didn't understand it. My own parents, initially, thought we joined a cult. 
I'm going to a good word of faith church, okay? My parents thought we joined a cult. Think about that. Think about your parents telling you you're in a cult. But I said within myself, now, now I know what it was, but none of these things moved me. Because once you've been touched by the power of God, once you've been touched by His glory, no one can beat it out of you with a stick. Amen. I know what it's like to be lost, and I know what it's like to be born again. No one's going to talk me out of that. I was, I was sick, but then I got healed. No one's going to talk me out of, of getting healed because I know what it's like to be healed by the power of God. I know what it's like to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And no jack-leg preacher is going to come along and say that baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for today. Are you with me now? Because I was filled with the Spirit, spoke with other tongues, and the power of God came on the inside of me, and it transformed me, it changed me, it gave me a boldness I never had before. Okay? See, I was really timid, I was really shy, you know my story. And, but after I got baptized with the Holy Ghost, that changed. That changed. Just like Peter, when he denied the Lord, I mean, he had good intentions. You know, he told the Lord, he goes, though everyone around you is going to deny you, I'm not going to deny you. You know, Jesus told him about the chicken, right? <laughs> Ever since, preachers have been eating chickens, right? <laughs> he says, before the cock crows, you know, you're going to deny me three times. You know what I'm saying? Well, see, that's a picture, that's a perfect picture of a someone that had good intentions, but they didn't have the power. And a little girl making, when he was gathering sticks for a fire, said, you know, aren't you that one that was with Jesus? You know, the Bible says he even cursed. He swore and he cursed. This is Peter after Jesus died. Think about it. The apostle Peter, Peter cursed. He said, no, I don't know him. Amen. I should have brought the noise for, for a crow here, you know, and play it. But, you know, he, he, it was obvious he was missing something. But on the day of Pentecost... When he was in the upper room and he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, this tells you why the devil hates the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there's a power that comes. Matter of fact, Jesus didn't suggest his disciples go to the upper room. He said he commanded them in Luke 24, 49. It wasn't a mere suggestion. He said, go, you be there, you know. And when Jesus said that, there was over 500. He appeared to 500 people, but only 120 of them showed up. Where was the others? They didn't take it seriously. Just like today, there's people who don't take it seriously. Say, I, I, I don't need that, you know. Now, of course, you can go to heaven without being baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? Of course, you can go. There's people that get saved on their deathbed, and they don't have time for being water baptized even. God's not going to keep them out of heaven. Amen? But, you know, while we're on this earth, why not get all that God has for us? Right? And so, uh, now Peter, on the day of Pentecost, stood up and boldly preached to 3,000 people. And they received the Lord on the day of Pentecost. Just a couple of days before that, he couldn't even stand up to a little girl. He's all intimidated and fearful and afraid. But when he received the Holy Spirit, ooh, bless the Lord. A lot of times when it comes to being baptized with the Holy Spirit, people give up too quick. That's, I find that in my own, just in ministry, working with people, people give up too quick. They say, well, I tried then, it didn't work. Amen. And they say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. And they sit there. Well, listen, if you don't open your mouth, the Lord's not going to take a crowbar and open your mouth and make you speak. And it will never happen. It will never happen. Okay? But I found that people need to know how to yield to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you just, by faith, open your mouth and you start to stammer and stutter. You start to say something. Okay? And the Lord will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and give you a brand new language. Amen. And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Now, we're talking about not being moved. And I think it's imperative that what the Apostle Paul said in verse 24, in Acts 20, verse 24, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Now, if Paul would have been, I thought about him, you know, he's a hero in my book, you know, the Apostle Paul. You know, some people got sports figures on their wall, you know, movie stars, things like that. My true heroes are Bible characters. <laughs> when I say Bible characters, I mean real people. Okay, I don't mean, you know, an imaginary thing, like Superman or Hercules or something like that. You understand what I'm saying? They're all fake. 
these are real people here. These are real heroes. Hallelujah. And uh, if Paul would have been Casper Milktoast, wimpy, he would have never finished his course. If he would have been moved by persecution, he would have stopped from the very first day. But stop and think about the fact that Paul didn't quit, didn't give up, and I'm sure that he was tempted to. He had, I mean, he had, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. There's a list of things that he went through, you know. I mean, it's, it's a big list of all kinds of danger, spiritual danger, physical danger that he was in from people that persecuted him. And Paul called it a thorn in the flesh. Everywhere he went, there was a devil working through people to get him and persecute him and kill him. One time they even left him for dead in Galatia. And the apostles went round about him and got him raised from the dead. And the next day he's in the city preaching the gospel after he's been stoned. Now, you know, those Jews, they, they understand what it's like to stone somebody and they don't leave till the job's done. Right? They know what, they've done it before. They know what it's like. They're stone happy. They're like the stone people, okay? When they stone Paul, he's gone, he's out, you know? But they stood round about him, raised him from the dead, went into the city and preached the gospel. Can you imagine that? Now, that's why Paul said in Galatians, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He had scars to prove it, Mm -hmm. you see? But I got to thinking about this because none of us, none of us have ever been through what these guys have been through. Our forefathers paid a dear price. And that's why I have little tolerance for people that have a sour attitude towards our country. You know how much blood was shed for the people in our country that shed their blood so we could have our freedoms today? You know what I'm saying? And there are people that like to spit on the flag and burn the flag. You've got to be kidding me. Now that doesn't mean that there's not injustices and things. It's always been the case. But overall, my goodness, you know, the Lord and the apostles, they, paid, they paved a way and they paid a dear price for you and for me to have freedoms today in the Spirit. Apostle Paul wrote three quarters of the whole New Testament. Think about that. He had revelation upon revelation, stacked upon stacked upon revelation, which we, that's how we know who we are in Christ from Paul's letters, from the Pauline revelation. Amen. And, and that's why the devil's trying to stop him and squelch what he was doing so that that revelation wouldn't come out. Amen? But today we've got some letters that are anointed by God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I'll tell you what, those letters, man, the Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You can live by every word of God and you die by every word of the devil. That's just the opposite. We can live by every word that proceeds from the word of God. Hallelujah. Now, Paul said this, none of these things move me, that I might finish my course with joy. Folks, listen to me really carefully here. The easiest thing in the world to do is quit and give up. Amen? Now, sometimes even in marriages sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm... Sometimes people are so quick to give up and throw in the towel and just quit, you know. But let me tell you something. Anything that's worth something, you need to fight for it. Okay? Now, I know there's some situations where things don't work out and that kind of a thing. But the the, the day and age in which we live, people are so quick to give up. Amen? Now, you stop and think about Hollywood, for example. You've got some of the prettiest flesh in the world you've ever seen. Right? You've got some guy here. You've got some girl here. They're like... Beautiful flesh. And they get married. And you think, well, if the flesh alone was going to sustain a marriage, then why are there so many divorces? Right? Some think about that. Yeah. And yet people, they, 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 they worship these people, these actors and actresses and stuff like that. You know, like they're, yeah. you know what I mean? But if it was just flesh alone that would keep people together, those people would have stayed together because in the natural they're like perfect. You know what I'm saying? Okay, but it's got to be more than that. There's a spirit. There's an attitude. There's a mindset. And that's why Paul told, uh, uh, Peter actually wrote in his letter, he says, uh, regarding men and women, he said to the woman, he says, don't, don't let it just be the outward adorning of the hair, the, the plaiting of the hair, the wearing of gold and jewelry and all this kind of stuff. He said, but let it be the hidden man of the heart that's beautiful. Amen. 
Your spirit, which is the real you, can overcompensate for any weakness and inability that you have in the flesh. Do you know that? Now you can take, you know, you've all been there and done this. I'm not asking you for a handshake or thing, but you've seen people that naturally, from the natural, they're, they're beautiful people. But if you got to know them, you realize, man, they might have a nice body, as somebody would say, but you know, you get, you get to know them personally, and you're like, ooh, yuck. Right? With a capital Y, right? But yet, you know, you get some plain Jane, someone that comes along, you understand what I mean, a man or a woman, and they're just, just a normal people, you know what I'm saying? But their spirit's beautiful. What does that do? It enhances the way that they look. Amen? It's called personality. That's your spirit. That's the you. Amen? And the beautiful thing about it is anybody here can become beautiful in the spirit. Amen? That wasn't my subject here today, but, you know, leave it out there where it is. Amen? But your, your spirit can become so attractive that it will overcompensate for any weakness that you might have in the flesh, in the natural. There will be a glow about you. You see, there's something about the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you when you yield to Him and you follow after Him. Amen? I was listening to a sermon last night that was, just changed my life. And it was about following after, following after God. It was said of Caleb, you know, you know, Caleb that we recognize in the Old Testament, one of the, the two that went into the promised land and so forth, you know. But it says concerning Caleb that he followed God fully. He followed him fully. Okay? And at 80 some years of age, he said, Give me this mountain. You know what I'm saying? And there's just something to say about that. Now, Paul was not moved, neither should we be moved. Are you with me now? Anybody here ever been spoken about before or talk negatives to say, say something negative about you? Anybody ever had that happen to you? Okay. We don't wake up in the morning and say, I want to be persecuted today. I mean, um, but sometimes it happens. Now, there's some people that will love what you represent, what you stand for, and that's a good thing. But then on the other hand, there will be people that will resist you, okay, because of your walk with Christ. Now, the Bible says, yea, all they that live godly lives in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, if you don't want to suffer persecution, then don't be a godly person. Don't live a godly life. Okay? See, we don't want to be like a chameleon where we blend into the environment that we're around. I I know people like that. Christians. That they 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 want to be accepted so much that they become, when they're with the world, they become just like them. They party, they drink, do this, talk a certain way because they want to be accepted. Are you with me now? Amen. Are you with me now? But we don't want to be like that. We want to be our own person. We want to stand up for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So we're talking about steps to not... That we can take to not be moved. And the major step that we're talking about is to keep the Word of God before our eyes. Keep it in our ears, keep it in our eyes. Let's go back again to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter here again. 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul said something here. You know, if Paul were here today, I guarantee you, he would open up his letters and he would share things with us right here about his letters. Amen? Because they're not just his letters. God inspired him to write these things. (laughs) Holy men of old wrote down things as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, verse 17, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, he says here, For our light affliction... Now, it doesn't sound right coming from Paul, a light affliction. Talk about great affliction. But he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh in us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Now, the next verse is the key. It says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, 
but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now again, this is so important that we understand that the only thing, the only way your, your affliction or your trouble can become a light burden is when you don't look at the things that you see, but the things that you don't see. Now that's the Word of God. Hallelujah. For example, if you wake up in the morning, you know, you don't feel very good, you know, it might feel like, oh, the, the sun's not out today, it's cloudy, it's, uh, you know what I'm saying? Especially in this area, the north, northeast. It's a rare thing when the sun shines out there. So what's that big ball in the sky up there? That's called the sun, amen. <laughs> um, but you know, sometimes you get up like all of us do, and it just doesn't seem like it's a very good day. It's like, oh, geez, here we go, you know. But that doesn't change the fact what God has already said about you. And if we're going to be, folks, if we're going to be successful in life, and I know that you want to be, you wouldn't be here. If you want to be successful in this life, you have to learn to be governed by the Word of God above all else. Amen? First time I had this, I remember one time in 1981, actually, I was attending my first year of Bible school. And I heard the voice of the Lord. Now, I didn't hear it with my audible, with these ears, but it was a, the voice of the Spirit. I'd never heard it like that before. It's the first time. And I was, this is before I, I was married to Lynn. I was, had two roommates, you know, and we're in, we're in our little apartment there in Tulsa, Rokinara, Oklahoma. And, uh, and I woke up early in the morning. I don't know if it's 4, 30, 5 o'clock, something like that. And for me, that, that's been the, the most prominent time where the Lord has spoken to me well, your mind's quiet, your body's rested, you know, and it's, for, I don't know why, it's just easier to hear him at that time of the day. Maybe other people are different. But I heard this, and it was, to me it was almost audible, but it wasn't. But in my spirit, I heard these words. In order for you to live and see the glory of God manifest in your life and ministry, you must put the Word of God of utmost importance. And I, I heard that, and I was like, so I, I had a little recipe card, three by five card. I got up with a blue magic marker and I wrote that thing down. In order for me to live and see the glory of God manifest in my life and ministry, I must put the Word of God at the priority in my life. First, the Word of God. Amen? Now, I would, I would have never thought of that. I, would have, I didn't wake up, you know. You know, the same thing happened to me a couple, two years ago. I woke up and it was a, another morning situation. And the, the Lord spoke to my spirit. He said this, the epicenter of all of God's activities in the born-again human spirit. Now, I, I don't think I ever used the word epicenter. I've heard it used before, but I, I don't talk like that. But I woke up and I heard that the epicenter of all of God's activities in the born-again human spirit. And I looked up the word epicenter. I found out it's the focal point. It's the headquarters. It's the hub. Amen. Just like, you know, news networks have an epicenter where they broadcast from. Right? You got the Weather Channel out of uh, Colorado, I think it is. Is that where they're at? The Weather? Atlanta now, they changed it. Okay, they used to be in Colorado. Uh, CNN is from hell. Um, <laughs> they're epicenter. Fox, Fox News, New York City. You know, there's an epicenter. When they broadcast from there, right? They broadcast from there. And so I, I, I began to see that the epicenter where God communicates with us is in the born-again human spirit. Not in your head, but in your spirit. Hallelujah. And, I, and it just, I began, he began to build on that, and I began to focus on that, and I began to think, because you know, everybody wants a word from the Lord. Now, it's dangerous sometimes to go to a meeting and say, Lord, I want a word from you. I want someone to prophesy over me. That's dangerous. Okay? More lives have been ruined by that kind of stuff, I'm telling you. You know? People's... Getting a service, they said, everybody line up and start prophesying over one another. That's a dangerous place to be, buddy. Okay? My daughter was in a meeting one time and it was they did that, you know? And so that was a few years back, wasn't it? Well, how did your spirit feel with that? Not too good, right? Didn't feel too good. Something was really flaky about that. Because people start saying stupid things and weird things and <laughs> blasphemous things, you know? You need to do this and do that, you know? Listen. You don't need that. No, we, don't, we believe in personal prophecy, but it's as the Spirit wills. You can't just press a button and make that happen. I know personally a family years ago, this is back years ago, that someone prophesied over them 
this new husband and wife that got married and said they were to sell everything they had, move to China, and be missionaries. Now, they just got married. Remember him? Name was Paul, that guy. And, uh, uh, and the pastor of the church that I was in tried to warn him. He said, you, you, you shouldn't be moved by that. He said, no, no, the Lord spoke. The Lord spoke. Okay? Well, that, why, then why would the Bible say we're to judge prophecy? We're to judge prophecy. Just because someone says, thus saith the Lord, doesn't mean that the Lord is talking. Okay? We're to judge it. Okay? We are to judge prophecy. The Bible is, is clear about that. But to make a long story short, and I was in the church. I was younger at that point. I watched this happen. I literally saw it. He says, I don't care. I, I heard from the Lord. Someone prophesied. Somebody came along and prophesied over him. And you know what he did? Went out and sold what he had, moved to China there. And his marriage fell apart. His family fell apart. His finances fell apart. He came back and got divorced. Now, would that be the Holy Ghost? Of course not. Anybody with half sense would figure that one out, okay? That's just lunacy, <laughs> right? In the name of God, in the name of prophecy. And that's why sometimes prophecy can get a bad rap, you know what I'm saying? But the simple gift of prophecy doesn't have any foretelling in it. The simple gift of prophecy is to speak unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort, okay? And that spirit is prominent here a lot of times. Almost every week that we come here, I, I, we're not planning, it just, it just happens, Okay, the Bible says forbid not prophesying. We're not to forbid it. And that's when God speaks to us with inspiration, speaking unto men, edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so uh, the Apostle Paul said, we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Praise the Lord. Now sometimes there can be a doctor's report. Sometimes there can be a medical report. Sometimes there can be a bank statement. Hallelujah. And those things can move you. Sometimes you can get a text message, a phone call. Okay? Well, it wasn't that long ago I got a message from someone and I said, I'm not moved by that in Jesus' name. Because you hear bad news sometimes. It wants to move your emotions. Right? It wants to move your Emotions. Can you go back to Lakel? Let's go to uh, to Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four and verse seventeen. We looked at this last week. Now I want to talk in the time left that we have right now about there's two kinds of faith mentioned in the Bible. And we're talking about being not being moved by what we see, feel, or hear. There's two kinds of faith. The first kind of faith is called sense knowledge faith. And the other is called revelation knowledge faith. Uh, forget that scripture, Kelly. Let's go to John chapter 20 here for a second. Let's look at this one first. In John chapter 20, let's look at an example of sense knowledge faith. Okay? Now, all of us here have... A natural faith. For example, when you came in here this morning, you sat in that chair without thinking twice about it. But you had unconscious faith that that chair would hold you up. Am I right? Uh, you, didn't even, you didn't even think about it. You didn't examine the chair. I didn't see anybody. They just came in, boom, you plopped on because you've been there before, done that. And you know that that seat will hold you up. When we came in here this morning, the lights were out. So I went over and put the switch on. I didn't think, I hope to God that the lights work today. I didn't even, it was like autopilot. You just go over, turn the switch on, here comes the lights. Now, in other words, you have faith that chair is going to hold you up. You, I had faith that those lights would turn on. Okay, we have, that's a natural human faith. We need to have just as much faith in operation in our lives as that's how the Word of God works. God, the faith principles work every single time. They work every single time. It's not like the lights, well, you turn on, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the chair will hold you up, sometimes it doesn't. But you have confidence in that, don't you? How much more should we have confidence in God's holy Word? Because the Bible says, we which have believed do enter into rest. When you believe, you enter into, you relax. You're like, hey, chill out. It's cool. The Lord's going to take care of us. 
<laughs> See, God doesn't want you stressed out. He doesn't want you or me stressed out over anything. There's a lot of talk about stress. Oh, it's a stress, 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 stress. Well, we can relax and trust God and just know that it's all going to work out. Amen. Amen. Now, we have a situation here where the, uh, this is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he appeared to his disciples. Uh, but let's look at, let's read this real quick here. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, In the same day at evening, that's 20, verse 19, being the first day of the week that when the doors were shut where the, Jew, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, uh, came Jesus and stood in their midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side, and the, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21. Then Jesus, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now I believe that this is when the, the disciples were born again. He breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Spirit. They were born again because there's another experience in the upper room, okay? But jump down to verse 24. That's John chapter 20, verse 24. Now, Judas has already hanged himself. So you have 11 disciples left, right? You have 11 disciples if you do the math. But then out of the 11, one of them wasn't there, and that was Thomas. So you had, when Jesus appeared to the disciples, there was 10 of them. Okay? And verse 24 says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus. I like to say, did you miss? <laughs> yeah, he missed. <laughs> Didymus was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciple therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. And he said unto them, Except I shall see the hand in his hands, the print of the nails and Put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. Okay. Now, Thomas did change for the better, but he had a problem with doubt. As you read through the the four gospels, you'll find that he was always questioning certain things. You know what I'm saying? And, and he had a problem with doubt. Doubters will always miss out on what God's wanting to do. Technically, he should have been there with the rest of the disciples. But he doubted. Okay? And when you doubt, you miss out. You see? That's why doubters don't normally come to church. Okay? Because when you don't doubt, you want to be where faith is. You want to be where there's a strong spirit. Right? And it says right here, in verse 26, and after eight days the disciples were within, and Thomas said unto them, Then came Jesus, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said unto them, Peace be unto you. In verse 27, and then he said unto Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said, Oh, my Lord, my God. Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Okay? Now, there's so much we can glean from this right here, I'm telling you. When Thomas said what he said, it appeared that Jesus didn't hear what he was saying. Right? Because he told the disciples, he said, no, I'm not going to believe it unless I can feel it, taste it, see it, touch it. No, there's five senses here. I'm not going to believe it. But after eight days, Jesus, boom, he appears in their midst. You know, that could happen in here today. We could be standing here. I could be ministering. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to us. Why couldn't that happen? It may happen. Okay? That'll convince some doubters. <laughs> Amen. It's not just our little show here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. <laughs> if it was, I would have quit a long time ago. You know what I'm going to tell you something? God's in what we're doing here. Amen. Praise God. It doesn't matter how many people have responded to it or haven't responded to it. It doesn't matter. Amen. You know, if Paul would have responded, think about Paul. If he would have responded to the, the 
attention of the crowd or the lack thereof, he would have quit a long time ago. He said, I was in Asia Minor and everybody forsook me. Everybody forsook him. He said, but the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. How would you like to have the Lord say, I'm standing with you. Amen. Amen. That's what happened to Stephen when he was being stoned. He looked up and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father. He was paying notice and attention. How would you like Jesus to stand up for you? The truth of the matter is, if you're trusting him, he's already standing up for you. Hallelujah. But so, the first thing that Jesus addressed when he appeared, and now Thomas is there, he said, Come here, Thomas. Feel this, feel this. Then he says, makes the statement, My Lord, my God. Oh. He got all emotional. Heck, just like a woman right there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, just kidding. I'm totally kidding. You understand that? I hope you understand when I'm teasing, okay? I'm not, I'm not serious about that, all right? No, don't send me that bad letters or something. Okay. But Thomas was obviously moved by this. He was emotional by this. And he says, my Lord, my God. But Jesus said, Thomas... Blessed are they that have not seen me yet believe. He said, you believe me because you felt me, you've seen me. He says, but blessed are they that haven't seen me yet believe. Amen. We call this natural human faith. Sense knowledge faith. Okay? Now this is not the kind of faith that you and I want to operate in as a believer. Sense knowledge faith. In other words, what's that mean? That means unless I can see it and hear it, feel it, I'm not going to believe it. Have you ever met somebody like that? Say, I don't believe that stuff down there. I don't believe that miracles happen anymore, you know. Well, they're not going to see any miracles, I don't think. Okay? What you fight against, you will not have manifested in your life. We don't want to be against certain things. Okay? But here's the thing we have to understand is, Jesus made this statement. I think it bears repetition again, and it also, it enlightens us today because Blessed are they, Jesus said, that have not seen me, yet they believe. So I ask you this simple question here today. How many of you believe in Jesus with all your heart? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have seen, I'm not talking about the painting. Okay. Personally, face to face, in the flesh, how many of you have seen Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay, I don't see anybody. There's no hands being raised. According to Jesus, you are blessed. Okay? Now, I've never seen the Lord with my eyeballs, but I will someday, and so will you. And if we may see him while we're on this earth, he could appear to you. I know many people, I know I have personal friends where Jesus appeared to them. Okay? Brother Joe, for example, the Lord, a couple, yeah, Mitzi, you know, um, where Jesus has appeared to them. Okay, Now, I've never had that happen to me yet. I'm not saying it won't. It could happen. If the Lord sees it imperative, then he'll, he'll let that happen. But I'm not going to be moved by that either because he's given us the Holy Ghost inside of us to lead us and guide us into all truth. We have a built-in tutor on the inside of you. Now, many of the cars today have a built-in. How many of you have a car that has GPS in it? You have a GPS in your car, okay? All right? All the fancy folks have GPS in your car, okay? <laughs> but, you know, you can always, you can get a portable one, too. And stick. Your phone's actually, yeah. my phone is a GPS thing, and I've used it many times driving around. And if I'm in a new city or something like that, it'll tell me exactly where to go. I can punch in the directions, you know? But see, GPS, Global Positioning Network System, okay? And... There's a big eye in the sky that directs you where you're supposed to go. That satellite up there, okay, that you can't see with your natural eye, but there's satellites up there in, this, in the sky all over this earth that will tell you where you're at, and if you want to go somewhere, it'll tell you how to go there, okay? Global positioning system, GPS. Now, you have built within you God's 
positioning system. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And he will teach you and he will lead you and he will guide you into all truth. And what we want to do is we want to follow after him. We want to learn how to follow after the Holy Spirit. Follow him. And if we follow after him, I guarantee you good things are going to take place in our lives. He's going to lead us into green pastures. He's going to lead us and guide us and spare us. And while I'm on the subject, none of us here need to be afraid of the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. No one here has to, I haven't said it yet, but no one here, if you're walking with God, you need not be concerned about the coronavirus. Okay? Enough said about that. Amen? Because the angels of the Lord are over you to protect you from these types of things, pestilence that walketh in darkness. Read Psalm 91. It's like it was written for, for today. And God doesn't want any of us panicking and afraid and fearful and all this kind of stuff. Amen. Enough said on that. Amen. Because the Lord will protect you. But we see that this is the, the Thomas kind of faith is the type of faith that has, I'm not going to believe what God says unless I can feel it first, unless I can see it. Amen. The most successful believers in the earth today, and we have some here, the most successful believers in the earth today are Christians that are not led by these things here, but they're led by the Holy Ghost. It's imperative that you're not moved by pressure. Okay? Now, I know, I know through the years of, uh, of situations where people were, were led by pressure. You know what I'm saying? Led by money, too. Amen? And sometimes people are led by money and they don't even know. It. They're being led by finances, you know, because... Uh, here they could be in a really good church that's preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God, and they get an interview for a job that's halfway across the country. And it makes they make almost twice as much as they were making before. And they think that must be God. Are you with me now? And people could assume that that's God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And just pack up and leave and, and go there. And they left the church that God wanted them to be a part of. Amen? Brother Hagin talked about that. He had people in his church that they were led. He talked about it. I remember he said there were people that decided to up and leave, and they were in a good, solid church. And, uh, but because of money, because of finances, they decided to up and leave and go to another part of town, another city, and so forth. Right? And uh, miss God... Marriage fell apart. Children started serving the enemy and stuff and backslid and all this kind of stuff, you know, and all because in the name of money. Now, I'm not saying sometimes God will say, here's something for you. You understand what I mean? But we can't be led by finances. We can't be led by the natural. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Now, let's close here today again. To, to Romans chapter 4. Let's go over to Romans chapter 4. So we see there's sense knowledge faith, but then there's revelation knowledge faith. Now that's the kind of faith we want to learn from, from our father Abraham. <laughs> Here's the real honest Abe right here. Amen. Abraham. Hallelujah. Are you enjoying this morning? Aren't you glad you're here and not in surgery this morning? Amen. You're not in prison this morning. You're in church this morning. Amen. Now in Romans chapter 4 verse 17, we saw this last week and we'll close here today. As it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations before him who believed even God, who quickeneth the dead, calling those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Being not weak in faith, 
He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he's able also to perform. There's a lot in here, isn't there? Now here's the kind of faith where to build our lives on it. It's called revelation faith. Now, Abraham, you know the story. I don't have to go into great detail, but you know, he's pushing 100 years old here, right? And his wife is just a couple of years younger than him in her 90s. Now, they had never had children even in their younger years. She was barren when she was younger. Okay? Well, God comes along and, and tells them something, gives them a word, and said that, you know, Sarah's going to become pregnant, she's going to have a child, and you're going to become the father of many nations, right? And so he changed his name from Abram to Abraham, from Sarai to Sarah, okay? Abram to Abraham meant father of many nations, okay? Now, Abraham didn't have anything in the natural to lean upon because who against hope believed in hope, amen? He considered not his own body, now dead, amen, sexually, right? Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So in other words, their reproductive organs were as good as gone, okay? But they had a word. They had a word from God. And any time you get a word from God, it will stand the test of time. Anytime you have a word from the Lord, it will endure everything. The Bible says the word of the Lord is tried. Okay? It was that in Joseph, the word of the Lord was tried under Joseph. But the Lord, what he said to Joseph came to pass. He had a dream from God. Amen? And there's so many things out there to try to squelch your dream that God has given to you. We have many promises from the Word of God that we can stand upon. The Bible says all the promises of God are yes and in Him. Amen. All yes, yes, yes. Healing, yes. Provision, yes. Long life, yes. Divine health, yes. Youth renewed like the eagles, yes. And Psalm 103 says, He blesses your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen? By the way, that happens to be when you're on the earth. Okay? Not out there in the sweet by and by, but right now in the here, sweet and now. He renews your youth with good, he, he satisfies your mouth with good things. So what you say is really important. Don't talk oldness. Okay? Don't talk old. Don't let the devil use your mouth to, to bring accusation against you and to cause something to happen on your behalf. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Okay? Praise God. Praise God. So what you, you the fruit of your lips is what will produce either good or bad in your life. So let's, let's take it and then let's use it to work for us. Okay? Look yourself in the mirror and say, um, I'm, my youth is being renewed like the eagles. I'm feeling stronger every single day. I'm not getting weaker. I'm getting stronger. Sometimes we have to score ourselves into doing that. Okay? Instead of saying, I'm falling apart. I've heard people tell me that. I'm falling apart. Like an old Ford or something. Just falling apart. Driving down the road, the muffler falls off, you know. There goes the tailpipe. There goes the back door. Just fell off, you know, just falling apart. And we laugh about that. But, you know, some people talk like that. Man, I'm just falling to pieces. I'm falling apart. That, that should not be a part of our life conversation. We ought not talk. People make fun of that. I mean, just make light of that sometimes. But it's, the truth is, we got to talk strength and life. Amen. Bible says, I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. And sometimes you've got to stare at death in the face and say, I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Glory Hallelujah. to God. Hallelujah. And it works. Because we will live and we will not die. 
And we will declare the works of the Lord. We will finish our course, run our race. You see, if we give up too quickly, we give up and we cave in. What about those other people that God wants to touch through us? Anybody can quit. Anybody can give up. Cast away your confidence. Throw away your faith. Okay? And there's a, believe me, there's enough people quitting and giving up in the Christian life, right? And giving in, changing their doctrine, changing what they believe, you know, because supposedly they trusted God and it didn't come to pass. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. Who lied? Did God lie? Ooh, no, no, no. God never lies. He tells the truth. He says, I, Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And you see, if we build our lives on the truth of God's word, living by his word, I mean, there's no way you're going to be up and be depressed. You're going to wake up and be excited about the day because, my God, the word of God is true. And I have the privilege to, to step out and believe God's word, to trust his word, and to live by his word. Hallelujah. You know, that brings great pleasure to the heart of the Father. You may think that you have to do some monumental thing for for you to please God. But know this. The Lord said in His Word, the just shall live by faith. And you are just and you are righteous because of the blood of Jesus. And when you decide on a daily basis and you get up and you say, I trust God, I trust His Word, you are pleasing to the Father for without faith it's impossible to please the Lord. So when you say, Lord, I trust Your Word, that may seem like a natural thing. There may not be any feelings associated with that, but when you say, I trust You, Lord, I trust Your Word today, He pays attention to that. See, it's not, hard to, it's not hard to please the Lord. It's not hard. He just wants to be believed. That's it. He just wants to be believed. And when you believe Him, all heaven will break loose on your behalf. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to God. I wrote down here in bold letters, I wrote down here, Abraham refused to look at his body nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. He refused. I choose not to look at my body, and I choose not to look at Sarah's body. But what did, what did he look at? The Word. He had a promise from God. Well, we know the rest of the story. Like Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story was, it came to pass. Here comes Isaac, which means laughter. Ha, ha, ha. You know, Bible names had meaning. Isaac meant laughter. So, ha-ha was born. <laughs> There's ha-ha, one of my kids. <laughs> Glory to God. The laugh, there's something about the laugh of faith. Amen? Don't let the devil make you cry anymore. He's the biggest tearjerker in the world. Let me tell you something. He'll try to make you cry over spilled milk. You know what I mean? Don't let him press your button. Don't let him put pressure on you to make you cry. Now listen. If the Lord makes you cry, it's a good thing. Go for it. Go for it. Amen. Sometimes when the Lord touches me, it, that's what it makes me cry. I'm not like a boohoo person anyway. I'm not, I'm not like that. You know what I'm saying? But when the Lord touches me sometimes... Amen? The other day the Lord touched me, you know, and I was, I was in my car and the Lord touched me. I started to, to cry in my car a little bit. I didn't even tell my wife. <laughs> Amen? That's okay because it brings healing to you. But the enemy, on the other hand, he'll try to put pressure on you to make you cry and weep over something, you know, and... and don't give in to that. Man, just grit your teeth and say, no, you don't, devil. I'm not giving in to this. Amen? We went in a little different direction today, but that's okay. I believe the Lord is leading us, leading us here today. Now is definitely not the time to get weary and well-doing. The Bible says, let us not grow weary and well-doing in Galatians chapter 6. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Due season is here. Reaping good things is here. Hallelujah. 
Everything you do is you're sowing seed, not just your finances, but I mean your prayer time. You're sowing seed. And when you sow prayer, you reap it back. You reap the results back. Amen. Let's just take a moment and praise him this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, you You are glorious, wonderful, and worthy of praise, Father. You are worthy of praise, O Lord. I worship you in this place, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. Praise you and thank you and praise you and bless you and thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, there's something about when someone has a clenched fist, for example, look up here. Someone has a clenched fist, they're closing. They're closing something out. Okay? When in our, I'm talking about in our own privacy of our own, we're in our bedroom, in our house, when we're alone. If we open up our life to God and we lift our hands to Him, I double dog dare you to do that in your own house. I dare you to do it. Some of you have never worshipped before. You've never lifted your hands before. When you do that, you're closing off. You're closing yourself up. And you don't want to do that. Okay? You want to open yourself up to the Lord by lifting your hands to Him. Say, oh, Father, I thank you. I bless you. I worship you. Just come, whatever comes to you, just speak it out. And watch and see what happens. Watch and see what transpires in your life when you open up your heart to do that. That act of worship like that, to to the Lord. You just watch and see what happens, the download that's going to happen to you. The Spirit of God's going to manifest himself to you. It's a marvelous thing, isn't it? You see, for me, it's easier to worship it's easier for us to worship God in public because other people are watching, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know and I know that when you're by yourself, there's no one there to watch you except God. But that's the audience that you want. You want His attention. Amen? There's nothing like walking into a room and you're all by yourself and you say, Oh, Father, I just thank you today. Lay on your bed and just thank him. Oh, Father, thank you today. I worship you today. And by doing that, you're opening up your spirit where it's not closed anymore. It's opening up that you can receive. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. You can receive what he's trying to, to, to get to you. Amen. I've, I've been under, at times I've been under pressure in my life and not, without even thinking about it, you get kind of, you kind of tighten up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and the Lord says, just release your hands and just thank me, praise me, worship me. That's true faith when you trust God. The Bible says Abraham was not weak in faith. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he was strong in faith Notice the next verse, giving glory to God. He gave glory to God before the children ever came along. Before the promise ever manifested, he gave glory to God. Let me put it to you in modern day vernacular. Can you praise God for something that your eyes don't see yet? Of course you can. Right? 
Let's just thank God for protection all this week. Let's just thank him. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for divine protection. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you for divine protection on all of us here right now, in this room right now, in Jesus' name. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Angels watching over us, we praise you, Lord, right now for angelic protection, keeping us, preserving us, and protecting us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now see, that just that little act of, it may seem little, it's really not, but that act, that's an act of faith. You are thanking God in advance for something that hasn't happened. That's called strong faith. 